Well, I think that people would attack Javier's love of Jurassic Park if he was publicly reviewed. People he already was- do. In fact, <laughs> my closest friends already do. <laughs> See, you're tougher than you thought, Javier. <laughs> Welcome to the What's Our Verdict podcast, where we fashion ourselves cinematic judge and jury. My name is JJ Crowder. I'm here with my co-hosts, Matt Heiner. Beta Red than dead. Javier Ortiz. What is it, my nerds? And Ian Anderson. Some shit. Do you guys ever find yourself wondering if you should spend the time, money, or both on a movie? Well, we're here to answer that question for you. Each week, we put a movie on trial, discuss the facts, pass judgment, and let you know our verdict. We do appreciate any help growing the podcast. Go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button. Tell a friend about us and subscribe to our email list for exclusive content and updates at whatsourverdict.com. Today, we're reviewing the movie Chef. It was released May 30th, 2014. It was written and directed by John Favreau. Stars John Favreau, MJ Anthony, Sophia Vergara, Oliver Platt, Scarlett Johansson, and Dustin Hoffman. A head chef quits his restaurant job and buys a food truck in an effort to reclaim his creative promise while piecing back together his estranged family. If you haven't seen this movie yet and you want to avoid spoilers, go ahead and pause here. Go watch the movie. Once you've watched it, come back, pick up where you left off. If you don't care about spoilers, and stick around because we're about to spoil the shit out of this thing, guys. Yeah, let's talk about this movie. So I straight up didn't know this was from 2014. I thought it was a new release. Yeah, no, it's it's an old movie. Been out six years now. Well, I mean, it holds up. So that's good. <laughs> it's, it does. So I, I have to ask. First thing I want to know, Javier, and it's very important, and you're uh-huh. the only one on this podcast that can answer it. I what think. Martin said? Yeah, what did this dude say to those guys when he was <laughs> trying to get them to help move the equipment into the food truck? It's actually pretty funny. So he says that Carl is the best chef in the world, and he will make him that he will make them the best sandwiches that they've ever had, or he'll call immigration. <laughs> and I caught the immigration part, but I missed the rest of that. <laughs> that was pretty good. That's funny. I've, I've probably watched this movie a dozen and a half times at least, and I've always wondered what he said besides threatened to call immigration on them. <laughs> yeah, bribed them with sandwiches. Yeah. Thank you, Javier, for explaining the bribery and threat. Happy to translate. We finally needed you on this podcast besides for wow, com- comedic that's relief. hurtful. <laughs> It's fair, but that's still hurtful. <laughs> um, so I, I, I want to start with this question and just get it out of the way, because I feel like the, it's probably my only I don't want to say complaint, but the only thing that every time I watch it, it comes up. And so it was interesting because I think Javier felt the same way. But what do you guys think of the pacing of this movie? Because and I'll explain and you guys can tell me if you feel differently or if you agree. For me, like it, they spend so much time setting up the characters and, and Carl's situation where, you know, he goes in and he has this big fight with this critic. And then it so some of it feels a little rushed at the end. The good parts where, you know, he's with his son and they're traveling across the country in this food truck. So I feel like some of the pacing could there was some issues there, whether it was too slow in the beginning, too fast at the end or if they could have blended the two. What do you guys think about that? I kind of liked the pacing, actually. I Oh, did you? Yeah, so I, there were parts where I wish I saw certain things that they kind of glanced over. Like, I wish I saw the first dinner with the critic rather than the second one, you know, type of thing um, that they glossed over. But I was actually really happy because I feel like the last few movies we've watched have been painfully slow and that they they show all these little parts that they didn't have to. And so this movie, I felt like they cut out all the things that just weren't absolutely necessary to the story and the character development. And I was okay going through an entire summer in like 20 minutes. 
mine wasn't so much the like pacing of the whole movie is I there were a few scenes in the very beginning that I felt like were super choppy the way they cut them up. And I couldn't even tell maybe it was just my internet connection. But I kept sitting there going like, wait, what just happened? Because we were with the son and then we were back at the restaurant, but then we were with the son and then he's back cooking again. Like I just got confused because I felt like they were chopping up the scenes super quick. So was that my internet or did I just miss part of the movie? No, it was pretty choppy. And I guess that's what the question is, like if it worked for you or not. Sounds like it didn't work for you. No, I mean, the rest of the pacing of it worked. It was just the jump cuts that I had a problem with. Yeah, I can see that. And they did kind of go back and forth because I noticed this time in that I, something I've never noticed any of them at the beginning is there's a couple of times like where they're walking. So they go to the market. He's shopping and he gets him that po' boy sandwich at the market. And they're talking about New Orleans and going to New Orleans. And then it go, cuts to him in the kitchen cooking or trying to cook for this meal for this critic and then getting shut down by the owner of the restaurant. And then it cuts back after him cooking the meal and it shows him and the kids stand there. Kids got the po' boy in his hand. They're watching that little skeleton thing dance and sing and so i was like wait was that this what did that happen before they cooked or after they cooked because oh, he still had that po' boy sandwich so I, I i think that's something that i noticed too Ian, is that there were some weird jump cuts that didn't necessarily let you know exactly where they were in what piece of time so that's a good point yeah at that scene with the skeleton that was after he cooked for the critic but you didn't know what happened so i was like oh was it a bad review like is that why mm-hmm. he's like just staring at the street <laughs> performer and then the very next scene they like read the review for you and you're like oh yeah so yeah that was a little choppy and confusing yeah and i think the reason he was sitting there staring looking like he just someone had just kicked his dog was the fact that he got forced to cook something he didn't want to cook and they that was something they could have explained better because that was before he read the review because the next scene you see he was all excited and he was reading the review and thinking it was good at first and then it turned out to not be but yeah i think it's just because he's sick of getting wrecked the review was so brutal it's so funny i need to start reading food reviews because that was the funniest (laughs) thing i've ever heard like make fun of his weight yeah he brings up the fact that he's put on weight that's <laughs> <laughs> so personal oh god i loved it that was brutal yeah it was a little rough another thing that i noticed with this is the whole obviously we see him prepping for this food critic to come eat to the restaurant they write a review there's a lot of professions out there these days that this kind of thing happens right you get this public review of your job performance, especially in our, like I said, the the internet age and the Yelp and Google, you can get on and find these public reviews, anything. How would you guys handle like a public review system like this in your job? Like if you had to get public reviewed on Yelp or some shit like that, like how would you guys handle that? What do you guys think about that? I think if you can be publicly reviewed, you should be allowed to have public freakouts. I like that. Because otherwise, I have private reviews and I have private freakouts. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. I was going to say, I think all of us have a review of some sort, right? Like at the end, like year ends, mid years, whatever it is. But they're usually between live streams or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. not being tweeted out there into the Internet. If I got live reviewed, I would probably end up being as like far from the Internet as possible. Like I wouldn't know what the Twitter was. I think his approach to not knowing anything about that kind of like saved him earlier on in his career because he didn't have to go read all these weird reviews. He didn't even know what Twitter was. Yeah, I think it'd be hard in this day and age because we all say and he said it it was interesting. He's like, this is not getting to me as he was freaking out. And obviously, (laughs) clearly it was getting to him. And we can all say, oh, those things don't bother me. I'm stronger than that. But I think more often than that, most people 
do struggle with that. I mean, we look at like Facebook and Twitter having the conversations about putting the ability to like a post and what that's done to people's perceptions about wanting to have that likability. And I can only imagine how bad it would be if we all had public reviews on us. I don't. I mean, I think people would be so reserved in their approach and cautious and walking on eggshells that that's not a world I want to live in because I already feel like it is a world that we live in when you go on social media. You're either for whatever it is or against it. And whatever camp you're in, you get blasted for it. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? So it got me thinking about when Ian sent this question, I was looking at it going, man, that's a great question because it also ties into the rabbit hole that is the internet. And like Madsen said, social media, like if you're famous, so I asked that question, I think Ian kind of answered it for himself. He'd steer clear of it. But what about the, you other two? If you were famous, would you read like reviews and posts and shit? Like I always think of like mean tweets on Jimmy Kimmel. Ugh, it'd be so hard. Like I just I liken a JJ to sports because I'm a big sports mm. fan. And the bigger the biggest person on there right now is it's always LeBron James in the debate against uh, Michael Jordan. And it people are just so polarizing. And I just feel like you can't win. And so to to sit here and say I wouldn't read them. I hate when athletes say, "Oh, I don't pay attention to those things. They don't bother me." It's hard to not read them or see them in our day and age. But if you really don't, it's probably power to you and a problem probably would help you. But at the same time, most people do it because that's where they make a lot of their money because you got to be a public figure. I'm way too sensitive to be famous. (laughs) (laughs) Me too, Javier. (laughs) I am the same way. Well, I think that people would attack Javier's love of Jurassic Park if he was publicly reviewed. People already do. In fact, (laughs) my closest friends already do. (laughs) See, you're tougher than you thought, Javier. (laughs) Screw you guys. I'm going home. And kind of you do it in public because we do post us roasting you about Jurassic Park for anyone to listen to. (laughs) Yeah, I cry myself to sleep every time. I find myself like I think I would try to avoid it. Like I th- I've thought about that in the past. And if I was famous, like I think I would hire someone to pretend to be me on Twitter and Facebook and shit and do all my posts for me. And I don't I think I would avoid it actively because even as someone that isn't even remotely close to famous, even within my own friend circle, I can't stand it. Like when someone says something that I even think, is that about me? Motherfucker. Like, <laughs> you know, I just couldn't even imagine having the world out there judging well, It's just me. so easy to, for things to get taken out of context. Like in this movie, like at the end of this movie, the critic said, oh, I thought we were joking. And I don't know if he truly believed that because, I mean, he was pretty, pretty big dick in, in what he wrote. But it, it like I had this, it was like a week and a half ago on, on Facebook because someone I knew like decently well, we were getting into a sports conversation and it started to get pretty like kind of annoyingly hostile in a sense. And to the point where I just had to say, you know what, I'm not going to say anything else because I can't win. I can't change this person's opinion. And I think that happens so often. You can often. always win, Matson. <laughs> I know it, it was like it was someone talking to someone like Javier, like Javier is the worst person you want to get into on like a, a Facebook. What does, a, what does a sports debate look like? Like that guy can throw the ball farther. Aren't those just facts? You know, see, it's not, but it's not always facts, especially when you're talking about college football with conference. We're not even going to get into it, but it'd be like, honestly, Javier, I think you'd be great at it. You would, you would be hard because you just are relentless and you keep coming and, and, 
that's what makes you good for the show. That's We've already talked to him about it. Dude, you and I argued for a week and a half about whether golf is a sport or not. Like it's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like I said, a week and a half we went at that shit. So we and that that was in person. I can't even imagine it when you could say some shit that you don't have to worry about me punching you in the nose for. <laughs> Honestly, like I think it would be hilarious if someone punched me because I got mad. Like I I'm waiting for that day. I legitimately don't know how I would react, but I think that would be so funny. I'll keep that in mind for next time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've we talked about this whole mean tweets or the, you know, the Twitter piece of that. One thing I did want to talk about is the good use of social media in this movie as well. So you kind of see both sides, this ugly, nasty rabbit hole of ugliness that it can become. But you also see on the back end of this movie, how his kid starts to use this for something that's extremely positive, which I really love. I think social media and the internet in general is is fucking amazing with the things that you can do if you can avoid the shitty part of it, right? So I really enjoyed that aspect of this movie of how his kid used it to promote this new truck and to rebuild his dad's image after this meltdown got caught on video and posted everywhere. Rest in peace, Vine. I know. So my favorite, my favorite part of this is when he's like, "Hey, what's what's Twitter or whatever?" and sign me up. He's like, "Is this is this a sex thing?" This kid's like, "Ew, no. Is that what you want to use it for?" <laughs> I have that line in my in my notes too. That was a great one. Dude, but that one second video thing, there's actually an app that you can download that you can do that through. And really? I've been, yeah, and I've been doing it periodically. It's actually really cool. So you don't have to like cut it yourself. It'll it'll just cut it for you. It's called one second every day is what it's called. Huh. Yeah, and it's really cool. So it's like a calendar and you just upload, you just you can mass upload videos and it'll just pull a video that was recorded on that day and cut it down to just a second of the video. And then you can play them all back to back. It's really cool. That's way cool. Hmm. Javier showed me one of the videos and it was predominantly of him going to the bathroom. It's pretty funny. <laughs> of course it was. That would be worth That's recording. That's also not true, our audience, but <laughs> it would be funny if it was. <laughs> Hilarious. I will say on that topic, JJ, I wanted to say when it did, he must have been a pretty famous chef because his rise in social media happened extremely quickly. It did give me pause to wonder. I was like, well, he must be a pretty big deal because otherwise most of that wouldn't happen that quickly. Yeah. So one of the things that they do show is twofold. So that when when the battle first starts happening, the review comes out and, and his kid sees it and he goes, oh, it went viral. Like because Martin and Tony were talking about, oh, don't fuck Twitter, you know, and then the whole, so the whole thing went, that was a great scene. He's like, what? Great scene. Why? What's Twitter? Yeah. They both, Oh, is this? And then they start eating his food again to like try to change the subject. Uh, it's a great scene. But, and then you see his son, you show, see Percy show him this thing going viral and this review. And then you see like, there was an old magazine cover with him on it, a younger version of him. So that was the other review, the positive review that, that this guy was talking about giving him in his early days. So you could see that there was some life there. And then of course, Percy talks about the fact that he gets into this battle with this critic who has over almost 200,000 followers. So that's part of the reason that he blows up. But yeah, I mean, you can definitely tell there was some fame there prior to him getting on Twitter. It's a good point. Wasn't he still fat in that, uh, that little younger picture? I mean, let's be honest. John Favreau hasn't been a skinny man since like the late 90s. So I think if you were to make it really 
little, it would be unrealistic. <laughs> I don't think I've seen skinny John Favreau since Photoshop it, you know? Well, that's you could. I like the fact that they didn't though, that he was still, he wasn't that as big though. I mean, he was a little, and it's only on there for like two seconds, which I'm sure was part Dude, of that. Of course that he directed or produced this. Oh, he, he wrote, directed, and partially yeah. produced. I think it was of course producer. he did, because who who in the right mind could convince, try to convince an audience that that dude was married to Sophia, uh, what's her name? Vergara. 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 Yeah, and then had a love interest with uh, Scarlett Johansson. I'm like, bullshit, dude. How much weight dude. did this guy gain? Dude. <laughs> well, it's funny you say, because you see Scarlett Johansson in the one scene go, no, we agreed not to do this. And he goes, I'll cook you some shit. And she's like fuck it let's go <laughs> yeah i was just like i'm sorry this is a whole nother level of hubris that i was not ex- anticipating in this movie but that dude could not land scarlett johansson i'm sorry dude you you need to pay more attention to to the world because there are a lot of ugly men with some very sexy women no no, no i know vice that versa. i i know that like money buys you things okay but i'm just saying <laughs> Money, uh, I don't know, dude. That guy didn't have money. He could just cook. And it sounded like he could cook mediocrely at that point in his life. So dude, he had a weight set like in front of his bed or something. What a very weird apartment. And like, I don't think it's a chick pad. So I'm going to agree with Javier there. Oh, I didn't even catch that. That's hilarious. He well, should probably using that sometime. That's because he <laughs> mentions like, hey, look, is the fucking resident fat kid. You can go fuck yourself, Javier. <laughs> <laughs> I've been fat for the majority of my life. I have a very attractive partner and I've had very attractive girls in most of my life. So we have good personalities. Some of us can cook. Some of us are rich. No, yeah. I'm not, so I'm not saying that it can't be done. I'm just saying he doesn't have a good personality and he's not rich. and He's not a hell of a cook, right? It's, I guess he was. I don't know. I was just saying he is. That's the whole part of this thing. Is he's, he's like a, a great cook. Like everybody loves his food, dude. That's how That's he gets true. the women, man. I'm just not convinced that like chefs are just landing babes, you know? All right. So since you brought up Sofia Vergara, let's talk about these relationships, because I think for me, like the best part of this movie is these relationships that he's in and out of and these people that are part of his life. And and it kind of goes to the acting, which I'm sure will come up through this because the relationships are so believable, but specifically the one where, you know, you talk about Carl and his relationship with Percy, his son, Inez, who's Sofia Vergara, Martin, his sous chef, or at the time, like his, you know, his line cook, and then Ramsey, which is the Ramsey Michelle is the critic. So Let's talk about these relationships. What do you guys think about the way these relationships evolved throughout this movie? I think the relationship with the son like made this movie. Yeah. My my only like problem with that relationship was there was a section in the movie, right, where before that part, the son is like constantly begging to the hang out with his dad, go shopping with him, hang out in the kitchen or whatever. And then you switch to when they're in Miami together and the son is like apathetic and nothing really had happened yet other than the normal turbulence that we've had the whole movie. So it just kind of felt weird that the son wants to like be with his dad the whole time. And then suddenly they're in another city and he's like, eh, I guess. And then it goes back to him wanting to hang out. Yeah, it's a good point. And I think to me, that's part of the, so f- I, I even have a note. I'm like, I love the idea that this kid, cause I think it's real life, right? I think there's a lot of kids that are constantly asking, Hey, teach me about what you do, dad. Tell me what, 
you know, you want to, what you like, what you want to do. I think that's a big thing. And a lot of dads are like, oh, it's just my job or it's just what I do. Because uh, I think that's what I would be like, right? Like, you really want to hang out while I create a training or I do this or that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, it's interesting dynamic. And then I think the other, the big hitch of this is this is a 10-year-old kid. So they get to Miami. And what's he doing for his work? He's having to clean this shitty ass beat up truck. That's fucking hard work. And his son's like, I don't want to fucking do this. Especially when he gets to the part where he opens up that pan, that fridge. And it's just this pile of shitty grease that's moldy and nasty and stinks to high hell. And all of a sudden, what his dad does isn't fun anymore, right? So he's having to work. He's having to scrub. Because all he thought about was the kitchen part. And then I think once it got to the point that we now have a functional kitchen and you understand that cleaning's part of it and he teaches him that lesson. And then all of a sudden the cooking part he loves and he's having fun. So he wants to hang out again. Then his dad's showing him that passion where he didn't have passion for his work when he was at the restaurant. So I really that's for me, the biggest dynamic change is he didn't want his son to hang out because he hated what he was doing. He hated that he was trapped in this restaurant job. Then when he gets this truck, he now all of a sudden he's ready to teach his kid because that passion's coming back. So I, I like that part, but I can see where, yeah, the kid's a little wishy-washy in the middle for sure. I was going to say that I, for me, what made this movie were the relationships. The As, as I texted JJ, one of my kind of thought questions was, I, I love the emotional undertones of what drove this movie. It was the relationships and how they developed that made it for me. And more specifically, I, I wanted to ask the group, it's, it seems like the main character, the chef, he decided to maybe, maybe was the one that was a driving force behind the divorce because of his career and not wanting to, to kind of step up to the plate to be a dad and devote time to his family. That was my speculation of why they had a split family, but wanted to see what you guys thought too. Uh, because she went from Robert Downey Jr. to him. That, <laughs> dude, that marriage was doomed from the beginning. <laughs> oh, God. That's funny. Yeah, I'd agree with you, Madsen. Uh, I, I think he's like a dysfunctional character the whole time, right? Till the like very end when he calls uh, Percy and I was like, hey, come work in my truck. Uh, I want to spend more time with you, right? Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think you can definitely see that there's a, a level of workaholic to this guy that in that success and, you know, hasn't figured out that he he's cooking for himself. I think that's a theme through, you know, is do what you love and what makes you happy and everybody else will kind of fall in line. And if they don't, who cares, right? So I, w- I would agree. I think it's that focus was lost and and it's hard to live with that when there's not a focus there that you're part of. Right. Well, also wanted to mention Martin's character because that relationship with Martin and Carl is like, he's like the MVP man, like quits his job, flies in seriously to after Carl buys a truck and just, man, talk about like the best friend ever. Yeah, he's like, I'm here to be your line cook. He's like, you're hired. It pays nothing. He's like, I'll take it. I'm like, jeez. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, what a dedicated friend. Also, I loved the relationship that they had and the the third guy uh, who got promoted. Tony. Yeah, Tony, where they like don't bullshit each other, right? So when that public freakout video got viral, they're like, oh yeah, it's terrible. It, it's, <laughs> it's really bad. Uh, but it's like bad in a funny sort of way. And he's like, are they laughing with me or at me? It's like a little bit of both. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, both. <laughs> <laughs> so real. Well, and I love Martin too, because this dude tried to quit his job when he left the first time. And he was like, let me come with you. He's like, no, 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 you need to stay. You need to stay. Convinces him to stay. And then he, like Ian says, he quits his job after he finds out about this food truck after he'd just gotten a promotion from line cook to sous chef. So it's like, that was, and and I think that speaks to kind of what you were talking about earlier, Javier. He is a good chef because this guy recognized, one, he's a friend and, you know, he loves that dynamic. He wants to go with him. But two, this guy's going to be successful at whatever he does because he's such a good cook. And you can see that as they're eating the food early on when he's making the, he brings 
brings it out and he's and the guys are both eating it going, oh, fuck, this is delicious, right? So I, I love the two of them. John Leguizamo is amazing in this movie. Dude, Just hilarious. I was like, where do I know him from? <laughs> and then it clicked where I know everyone from. <laughs> John Wick, John Wick, baby, John Wick. Oh my gosh! I thought you were about to say Ice Age, and then I'd be like, "Mm, "That's weird." Well, he was just recently in The Mandalorian. You missed on that one, Javier. Uh, Yeah, luckily dodged a bullet there. (laughs) Nerds. You know what's funny is you know who else is in The Mandalorian? Since we're talking about John Favreau calling in favors because he's got Scarlett Johansson, Robert Downey Jr. from the Marvel side, right? And then mm-hmm. he's got John Leguizamo, who he's worked with a couple of times, was in Swingers, I think, with him back in the day. So he's been in a few movies with him. And then you've got his ex-wife's publicist that he talks to about Twitter. and She's trying to convince oh, yeah. him to go on Hell's Kitchen. She's also in The Mandalorian. She's the mechanic in Mos Eisley. Oh, yeah. So, wow, they yeah. look way different. He, you can tell he called in some favors. They look way different those two characters oh yeah i I didn't realize that that was the same person yeah that's the same lady the other relationship that's kind of fun to watch since we're talking about it is sofia vergara and i i don't know about you guys but i caught on pretty early they're pretty obvious about the fact that she still has a thing for him and it's like he's just ashamed of who he is at the time at least early on and then as they develop it's a really funny moment when they're busy and he's yelling through the phone to Mm -hmm. her about the kid and he's like i love you and she goes i love you too and then it's like uh i gotta go <laughs> what did you guys think of their little dynamic? Other than Javier thinks he's too ugly to get her, uh, or too fat to get her. If she still loved him and she's that good of a mom and that beautiful and everything, then he is just an idiot. That's honestly what I thought. I was like, this guy just doesn't understand. He's just stupid. Honestly, didn't need that. Like, I always think it's cheap. Like, if you're going to divorce someone or like if you're going to paint a story where they're divorced, like commit to your your story decision. Right. They're divorced the whole time. I'm way more interested in how he's developing a relationship with his son, you know, being divorced from the son's mom and living somewhere else and working so much like that's the relationship I was committed to. And then they just sort of kind of to me, it felt like in that scene where he's talking loudly on the phone, just throwing like, oh, and they might get back together. And I'm like, okay, I I just I didn't like that part, to be honest. I can see that. I think for me, the reason that I like it is because it, again, goes back to that dynamic of this is a man that obviously didn't like himself or what he was doing for a very long time. We don't know how long prior to when we start the movie and how that can really impact all of your relationships, like the son, the the ex-wife, you know, friends, things like that. Whereas now that he's doing things that he cares about and he's found that passion, it's easy to reignite that. So I, I found that very interesting, but I could have gone either way. They could have left them divorced and they just were really good friends. And, you know, part of their son's life as a divorce, you know, former couple and I'd have been fine with that too to your point so I I definitely don't disagree with you so I had one last question that I want to bring up and this is kind of where so we have this great moment to me it's the best scene in the movie where they're in Texas and they're sitting on top of the the food truck and they you know he's drinking a beer hanging out with his kid and they're listening to this blues music and he starts talking about we're almost home or we're going to be home soon and then you know things are going to go back to normal and I started to think about you know how many times have we found ourselves in you know a rut whether I mean maybe not something as major as what we see in this movie but you find yourself in a rut or you're in, you're in this pattern where you just do the same thing over and over and over again. And then we start talking about, I just want things to go back to normal. I hear that all the time. I just want things to go back to normal. So I have to ask the question, like, why do we get stuck on that? Like, why do we care so much about going back to the quote unquote normal when it obviously wasn't very good? You know, so he he starts to go, ah, things are going to go back to the same. And the kid's like, no, I don't want that. But he just kind of leans into that. So I, I, I really had a hard time with that. Like, why do we as people and human beings do that? 
That's a very deep question. <laughs> it is a deep question. I don't know. We're we're creatures of routine, right? Yeah, we are. No, what I hated about that scene though was that the kid seemed like he was constantly trying to find a compromise and Carl wasn't. All right. So Percy's like, I can keep working in the truck. I'll just do weekends and after school. And Carl's like, no. And even before that, Carl's like, I want to come shopping with you. I won't get in the way. And he's like, no. Right. So it kind of made me mad that it was all on Percy the kid to like develop this relationship with his dad. I'm like, that's super shitty it's a good point i didn't think about that yeah that's what it seemed like too the dad was pretty indifferent to the point he was like almost so cold and robotic with his son that it was it was painful for most of the movie i mean yeah very well acted but to your question jj i think humans a lot of times talk about always wanting the new challenge always wanting to find change but in reality most of us are comfortable doing our job then turning on our, our favorite show we always watch our same favorite movies listen to our same favorite songs eat our, our, our same favorite food most people when they go to the the restaurant, they get the same order more often than not. And it's it's harder to take a risk to take a change. And I think that this movie showed that but you would you would want to see the dad to recognize that this is a positive change in my life. And it's unfortunate it took him long enough to realize that. But I think it is indicative of what happens to us in society that it takes us longer to realize that this change could be good and it can become part of our new normal. So I'm going to throw back to a, uh, a quote from Murder on the Orient Express, where he says, I'm at an age where what I enjoy, I love immensely, and what I don't, I cannot abide. <laughs> hey, that's a good quote. I like that. And that's, that's how I feel all the time. I'm like, dude, just leave me with my pepperoni pizza, original glazed donuts. <laughs> like, it works. Why experiment? That's funny. I kind of saw that like the chain that scene where he talks to his son about change as kind of him not wanting to get his hopes up that his happiness and enjoyment will continue when he gets back. So I feel like he was trying to like it wasn't so much letting the sun down as it was letting himself down easy like okay things are going to go back to normal this can't last so that's kind of how i interpreted it and rather than him wanting to go back to normal more like i don't want to get my hopes up that things can continue to be good. I like that point, Ian. And I, I, I like it because I completely agree that most of the awkwardness between these two that I watch when I go back and watch this movie is, I think, because it's a self-consciousness issue with himself. Carl is afraid that his son's going to hate everything about what he does and who he is. And so these moments of having this road trip together and it being so great and sharing all these things and, and finally realizing that his son actually wants to know about these things, he's afraid that the going back to the routine of it, because even if you kept the truck and he keeps working on the truck, there's a certain level of routine, right? Because in his mind, there's still going to be divorce. So it's going to be the back and forth. And how do we maintain this and still have it be as fun as this three month or summer long or whatever it is road trip. And and so I, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Now, it doesn't say it's not making excuses for him being an obtuse dad. But yeah, I still feel like that's that's a good point to come from. So oh, let's have some fun. So Mattson had a question for everybody. What would you change about your work if you were to follow your passions? So let's hear from everybody. What would you guys change about your work if you were to follow your passion? Kind of like what, what Carl ends up doing here. Like my current work? Sure. Or would you even continue to do your current work? Yeah, I mean, when I was thinking about that question, for, for me, I like what I do. I've been thinking about it. None of my passions, I think, really reside in what I would deem like normal work world. And those people that are able to blend the two, kudos to them. I don't even know if, JJ, I guess for me, honestly, it'd be like being a fantasy football analyst or being a, a sports uh, 
sports talk show host or something where that's where my outside passions lie. So doing that would probably be really exciting for me. Yeah, I guess that's probably what I would say. I think if like I could pick what I was doing, I would be like freaking sipping margaritas in <laughs> Bali or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> if I could get paid to do that, that'd be ideal. No, but like I think I like what I do, but I'm with Matson. Like I'm really interested in stuff like boxing, right? Like I would love to be a boxing coach or like a or like a one of those big time referees where you're like in the ring with like triple G, you know, <laughs> and Canelo and you're just watching them slug each other. How cool would that be? You're like getting canelo sweat on your face that'd be awesome what about you ian if i had to like keep the same job but change something about it i think i would do i'd want to be more like the startup because i like more of the creating and setting a foundation but if i could go and just do man i i don't know that there's like a one particular option because i love just pursuing and learning different things um not to a mastery all the time but like Right now, I've gotten back into like graffiti painting, and I wish I could do that as a job, but I don't know that I'd want to do it forever. I'd want to go pick something else new and start learning that. So I don't know what that is, but that... You should join a gang, because I think you can graffiti (laughs) things and then try something new, like killing someone. Jesus. I'll just act like the guy in shock collar. Yeah. Yeah. Start out tagging and watch your life go to hell after. (laughs) (laughs) Be able to grow a nice beard, though. Slippery slope. Yeah. I think for me, like, it's funny because I have a passion for what I do as far as the training perspective of it and learning and development, things like that. So I, I like doing that. I think I'd like to do it for myself as opposed for a company. I think that would be the biggest difference when it comes to work. But I think my true passion lies in kind of the shit we do right now, like this creation stuff and, you know, watching movies and just sharing passions and fun things like that with other people. I really get a kick out of that. Aww. So I think that's probably more what I would do. So I got to do a disclaimer because my boss listens to some of these. I like my job. Please don't fire me. Yeah, same. I think that's true for all of us. We're talking about like the, you know, the extreme situation, right? Like we could quit our job and we had no rules, right? That's not to say you don't like just, what you just do. Just let Javier drink on the job. That's what he yeah. wants. <laughs> that would be me, not Javier. No. <laughs> well, it's, on, it's on the beach somewhere. I can do that. Yeah, exactly. All right. So first of all, and last question before we jump into ratings and move on. What's the best bite of food you guys have ever had? Oh, that's a good question. I have it for me since this was my question. My when I ate a my first ever bone in ribeye, like seventy dollar steak from Mortson Steakhouse. I will never forget that bite. That was a supreme piece of beef. Ian, did you just say the next bite of food? Oh, that's exactly what I said. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I love that. For me, I think the best, that's so hard because I just love food, as you can see from my appearance. But I think the best bite of food I've ever eaten was in Phoenix, Arizona at the Phoenician Resort. I got these veal medallions that were paper thin and they were rare. Oh, God, it was fucking amazing. I can my mouth's watering just thinking about it. So I think that was probably it. What about you, Javier? Mine was when I was living in Costa Rica. I'd gone like a year and a half without having any real cheese because they don't ha- they have this weird rubber cheese that you could literally turn into a super bouncy ball and just like bounce it off the ground. <laughs> it's like rubber. Anyway, someone made lasagna. It's like person there because they're like, you're American. You guys like lasagna. That was not only the best lasagna I've ever had. It might be the best food I've ever had. It was incredible. 
fun fact about mine, the second time I got that steak on my mission, I unfortunately, unfortunately threw it up like on my way out. I don't know why. And it tasted so good because it was like immediately after I ate it. That's probably the best throw up ever. <laughs> you threw up a $70 steak? <laughs> I would have been pissed. It was free, but I mean, I got to taste it again. So I ate it all and then I tasted it again. Yeah, if you were man enough, you could have tasted it a third time. <laughs> I don't know if that's, that's the foul. marking of a man, but. <laughs> all right. So I want to close with something we haven't done in a while, and that's some favorite quotes. We started it. Javier got us started with some, but I had a couple. Like my favorite line in this whole movie is when they're on the truck and then they're, they're, down south somewhere and they're sweating or whatever and they're having this conversation in the middle of the night on this drive and martin's like hey hand me the the cornstarch oh, are you putting cornstarch on her balls and he's like dude i'm putting he goes i'm putting a little cornstarch on my huevos man it's a little too humid down here percy wakes his dad up and he goes martin's putting cornstarch on his balls and carl's like he's like oh hey man let me get some and then he puts a, he hands it to his kids he's like you want some here it's like baby powder cool your nuts it's nice right and then he goes what's good is in the morning you can dip your nuts in oil and make hush puppies <laughs> like, what a fucking great line it was either that one or the when he was having him like they get in the twitter thing and he's like oh i don't think i should read this oh, yeah. he goes the critic says i would rather have you sit on my face after a brisk walk on a warm day than suffer through that fucking lava cake again <laughs> That critic was hilarious. And he made a really good point at the end. He's like, I buy ink by the barrel. Like, yep. I'm a writer. Why would you get into a face-off with me on a writing platform? He's like, I wouldn't challenge you to a cook-off. Yeah. That's a good point, dude. Pick your battles, man. Exactly. Well, then he, that's when he find out, dude, I thought I was private messaging you. He's like, I didn't fucking know that. Great times. Ah, all right. So let's rate this thing, boys. If you're joining us for the first time, we go through a zero through five scale, zero being a $70 steak that you just vomited up that you need to eat the second time, and five being that first time you eat that $70 steak. <laughs> With that, Javier, why don't you get us started? Okay, I'm going to give this a four right off the bat. I think it was good. Like, I don't have really any major complaints. I thought the acting was good. Like I said, I liked the pacing of the movie. It was kind of feel-goody. Yeah, I'll give it a four. I would watch this again, too. Um it's probably not like super high on my list to rewatch right now, but if someone said they wanted to watch it, I, I don't think I would protest. Yeah, I'm going to give it a four. Mattin. Yeah, I'm going to be kind of boring too. Like, Javier, and give this a solid four. If you like star power, if you like characters that have progression in their character development and well acted characters, I mean, certainly this movie has some phenomenal actors in it. I will say for me, what resonated the most in this movie is the emotional undertones. If you're someone that gets involved in movies, you'll get involved with these characters and where the story takes you to the end. Definitely a movie that I would watch again. Did not think that was going to be the case when JJ said, hey, we're going to watch a movie called chef <laughs> this movie's a good movie ian oh i'm struggling between a 3.5 and a 4 and the only eh, i'm gonna give it a 4 i don't think it's worth knocking off a whole half point but the one thing i didn't like why i wouldn't rate this even higher is at the very end it feels like too fairy tale-ish like he gets back he gets the food truck going with his ex-wife he's kind of got all those things and he has kind of the full circle with the critic which i was like good like i feel like that was a good point to end it but then it kind of goes on and like oh he gets a new place he gets 
gets bankrolled to make his new restaurant and he gets remarried and it's just like all these kind of everything turned out great. And I didn't really like that because I felt like it kind of cheapened all the experience that he went through to kind of get where he was at for them to just throw that on. But I'll still give it a four for all the reasons that have been mentioned, but that I would like to rate it higher, but that kind of brought me down. Yeah, I want to agree with Ian there. I didn't really give a reason why I didn't have it higher. That is my biggest reason, the fairy taleishness at the end. For me, the critic all of a sudden saying, hey, I want to back you, that felt like very, very abrupt. Where I think JJ brought this up earlier in our podcast about maybe they rushed the ending a little bit or, or what were our thoughts on that? Totally agree with Ian's point. I guess I've never thought about the marriage piece of it. Everything up to the them getting remarried, I'm okay with. I actually, because of the fact that they mentioned that this critic was a big fan of his when he first started out, that made him backing him make sense to me. But that that's a very little thing. And I caught it because, again, I've watched this movie so many fucking times, I, I can't miss it. But reflecting back on it, when you say that, I can, I've never been a huge fan of like the whole way that it ended with them at their wedding, right? I could have been, I think it would have been better, to be honest, if they had just ended with showing the new place and they're working together and it's kind of ambiguous with yeah leave it to you know, the imagination yeah like it, it it being their wedding might have been over the top so it's a great point ian i, I like that I was never going to rate it perfectly. This is a four and a half movie for me. I do think there are some pacing issues in the middle of the movie. The transition from the meltdown to the road trip in the truck. While Robert Downey Jr. made for a very, very funny intermission between the two. I I think there could have been some better tie-in. You could have left that out almost to me and had a little bit better blending of the two aspects of his life and it would have made it just a touch better. And now I get to add on the fact that Ian made a great point. I think if they'd have left off the them getting married again at the end. I don't care if they do or they don't. Just have them show people at the restaurant and having a good time. But I I love this movie, guys. And it's funny, we talked about trying new things and Matt's and you mentioned getting home and you watch your favorite movie and we all, you know, we fall into those traps. And while this is a movie I watch often because it, it makes me feel good and I enjoy it and it's, it's easy going and I just like it. It's also one of those things that it tends to pull me out of my comfort zone watching it because of the theme of this whole trip of this guy's life in this time. So I, I really enjoy that aspect of it. And I, like I said, it's just feel good. Thoroughly enjoy this movie. Everyone should check it out. Four and a half. I'm glad that you guys liked it. I, w- I worry when I introduce a movie like this that I love so much that because not everybody likes stuff like this. So I, I love that you guys enjoyed this movie as well. So I appreciate you watching it with me. And no problem, uh, JJ. Yeah. And for next week's review, we're going to be watching Moneyball. So tune in for that. Matson, why don't you tell them where they can find us? Yeah, y'all should know. But if you don't, check us out on our, our website at whatsourverdict.com. Find us on social media on Instagram and Facebook at What's Our Verdict. Uh, check out our YouTube channel at What's Our Verdict as well. You can listen to us uh, for our podcasts on, on Ghana, Apple, Spotify, and pretty much wherever else you can find us. Give us a listen. Send us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Thanks, Matson. That's our verdict. Go check out this movie. We appreciate you tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye now. Bye. Cinemagic out. Na, 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 na. Whoa.